Kia ora listeners, today we are joined by two very special guests, Antarctica New Zealand's Chief Science Advisor, Professor John Cottle, and Data Curator, Rebecca McNeil. Together we delve into the conversation about guardianship of the Antarctic continent. Antarctica New Zealand is the government agency responsible for carrying out New Zealand's activities in Antarctica, all whilst supporting world-class science and environmental protection. Their vision is Antarctica and the Southern Ocean, valued, protected, understood. I hope you enjoy this episode and learn a bit about the incredible work Antarctica New Zealand are doing in facilitating science and management within the greatest natural laboratory on Earth. Well, welcome, John and Becky. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. It's really awesome to have Antarctica New Zealand represented in this season. I guess we'll just get straight into it. And I'd love to know what role Antarctica New Zealand plays in supporting science in Antarctica. Yeah, well, I guess the Antarctic continent is a, it's a really special and unique place. It's the coldest, windiest and driest environment on Earth. And so it's home to some really unique animals. Not only that, but the Antarctic ice sheets, if they were to melt, they could raise sea levels by up to 60 metres. So not surprising then, um, Antarctica is a fantastic place for scientists to carry out research to understand more. And the role of Antarctica New Zealand in this is to support the scientists to travel south. Uh, We get them where they need to go and we make sure that they have what they need to carry out their research. Wonderful, thank you. So what does kaitiakitanga and guardianship look like to you and to Antarctica New Zealand? Antarctica New Zealand has a a really important role of kaitiaki, of the Ross Dependency. And for us, we we take that role of stewardship really seriously, as we, we do understand that Antarctica is a special place and that it's a huge privilege to be there. And so we want to protect it not only for its own sake, um, for the unique landscape and fauna, but also because what happens to Antarctica and in Antarctica affects the rest of the world. So protection really is in everyone's interest. Um, Antarctica New Zealand has an environmental code of conduct and requires everyone who travels south to adhere to this. And through this, we make sure that everyone has their own part to play in stewardship of this incredible place. I think that's really important from a practical perspective because it's such a pristine environment that we'd really like to keep it that way for as long as possible. And so the more we can do now, the the more likely we are to have that pristine environment be preserved for, uh, for generations to come. Definitely. So in your opinion, what are some of the greatest threats to Antarctica relative to upholding its pristine condition for world-class science? I guess it's it's really important to recognise that the climate is changing. We all know that. And so is Antarctica as a consequence of that. This response seems to be different in different parts of the Antarctic continent. Um, For example, the changes that we're seeing in the Ross Sea region, they're slower to detect than in other areas, such as the Antarctic Peninsula. But there are changes happening, and scientists are working really hard to determine just how quickly things are changing and what this will mean for the rest of the world. And so there are a range of issues that are affecting excuse me, affecting uh, Antarctica, and mostly they're affecting uh, the continent itself. So for example, loss of ice is, is a massive change to the Antarctic environment, but 
that loss of ice also cascades into the ecosystems that are around in, in Antarctica. And so there are a range of changes that we're actually seeing right now that, that may take a, a, a while for us to uh, be able to measure those changes, but uh, we're definitely part of our role here is to try and uh, do as much as we can to assess those changes and to figure out what might happen both to Antarctica, but also more broadly uh, in New Zealand and, and beyond. And I think um, recently too, there's been some newer emerging issues, things that we didn't know we needed to worry about, uh, such as pollutants and microplastics. We used to think that Antarctica was so remote that it wouldn't be impacted by these sorts of things. However, recent research has found that there is microplastics in polar oceans and also in the guts of um, springtails, which are tiny Antarctic animals reminding us just how intimately linked the world is and how, unfortunately, uh, nowhere, no matter how remote, appears to be immune from human impacts. Yeah, fascinating. I remember um, one thing that I found really interesting when I, when I went down to Antarctica, I was really shocked about the uh, fibres and washing your clothes. And I remember I was told not to do any washing while I was down there if I absolutely didn't need to because it was something I never even thought about um, so yeah, it really yeah. Goes everything is connected and something that small really can have an impact somewhere where you wouldn't even expect it to. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a, a really important um, message is that, yeah, the, the things that we can control when we're down in Antarctica and at Scott Base, um, I think it's really important that we, we all play our part and, and do things like, um, yeah, don't wash our clothes if we don't need to and have shorter showers and, um, yeah, it all, it all adds up, all those small um, changes that we can make. Exactly. And considering Antarctica is one of the greatest natural laboratories on Earth, um, what would your key initiatives at Antarctica New Zealand for your science program be over the next five to ten years, do you feel? Yeah, so that's a really important question. Um, I guess it's important to mention um, at the outset that Antarctica New Zealand uh, doesn't do the research but the research is done by scientists from various um, institutions around the country. But the science that Antarctica New Zealand supports is incredibly diverse. And there's a lot of scientists studying climate change at the moment. And one of the biggest initiatives over the next few years is a large program called the Antarctic Science Platform. Um, and the goal of the, the platform is to conduct excellent science to understand Antarctica's impact on the rest of the planet and how this might change in a warmer world. And so there's a lot of exciting research coming up over the next few years um, as part of the platform, including uh, research on the Ross Ice Shelf, which is the world's largest ice shelf, um, research on sea ice, which is incredibly important for global ocean circulation, and it's also an important habitat for algae, which is the base of food chains in the Southern Ocean. One of the key things, one of the key challenges Antarctica New Zealand faces is how to support all that really great science. Right? And so typically we do that out of Scott Base. And, and as I'm sure you know, Scott Base is, you know, uh, came up to 60 years old. And so it's slowly falling, well, actually rapidly falling to pieces. And so it takes a lot of effort to keep it uh, up and running so we can actually support this science. So kind of the other major initiative we have is, is to uh, replace or to rebuild Scott Base. And so Antarctic New Zealand is working really hard right now to design a new base and then uh, figure out how to, to support uh, that kind of uh, budget bid that will go along with that to redevelop Scott Base over the next uh, 10 years. And, and building a building in Antarctica is incredibly complicated. 
Um, and it's actually more of like a building a small village. You need power, you need uh, life support systems, you need all of those things to support, you know, 80 to 100 people uh, in Antarctica. And so the rebuild of Scott Base will be one of the key things that, that our organization aims to achieve over the next uh, decade. That's really exciting and you're right, really critical in, in supporting more science long term is having a place for people to live and work and be safe as well. Can I just touch on what your two roles are at Antarctica New Zealand and how do you each facilitate this world-class science? Yeah, so I guess broadly speaking, um, all of our roles at Antarctica New Zealand are, um, I guess, that of being an enabler. We enable the scientists to carry out their research. My specific role is that of um, data curator. So this is actually a, a brand new position um, within Antarctica New Zealand. So I just started in the role a couple of weeks ago. So still getting up to speed and a lot of um, different exciting things. Congratulations. And, oh, thank you. <laughs> and this role is gonna be really important in um, helping scientists to maintain and, and look after their data in such a way that means it's able to be accessed again in the future by people who need it. I guess it's important to mention that the science that happens is, it's a process and fieldwork in Antarctica is part of that process. But a lot of the work happens once scientists are home from the ice. And so it's, it's a really important aspect of the, the process that the, the data is managed in such a way that ensures that it's um, preserved. And we also have obligations under the Antarctic Treaty for the data to be exchanged and, and be freely available for people. So that makes um, conducting science in Antarctica a little bit special or unique compared to conducting science elsewhere in the world, which I think is it's a really nice thing. My role as the chief scientist at Antarctica New Zealand, uh, my role essentially is responsible for successful delivery of the science program. And so that has a number of uh, tasks associated with it. Primarily amongst those is to try and match what the scientists need to in terms of logistical support to actually make the science happen. And so to kind of translate what the science needs uh, are into that operational support. And so to go between the science community and the operational team here at, at Antarctica New Zealand to make sure that they get what they need uh, to make that science happen. Uh, in addition, a, a significant portion of my role is to uh, interact with other national Antarctic programs, for example, uh, the American program, the Australians, Italians, Koreans, Chinese, uh, German programs uh, to figure out how to uh, make best use of our logistical uh, assets that we have. Really no one Antarctic program has enough assets to support their program by themselves and, and New Zealand is no different in that sense. And so part of my role is to, to uh, secure and, and maintain good relationships with all of those different countries uh, so that we can leverage those assets and, and make the best use of Antarctica for for science. Interesting. Thanks, John. And you're relatively new in this role. Is that right? You started earlier this year? That's correct. I started in uh, early July. And what do you love most about this role so far? Uh, for me, the, the most enjoyable part of this role and the, the thing I really like most is uh, working with a, a range of different people and from people who are really passionate about uh, understanding how Antarctica works from a scientific perspective, but also people who have committed their professional lives uh, to supporting that science. So everybody from you know, the, the people at Scott Base to the people here in Christchurch who, who work day in, day out to, to make that science happen. 
And so I think for me, the really the big thing I see in all those people is a real passion for Antarctica and a passion for understanding uh, Antarctica from a scientific perspective. So for me, I think it's all about the working with really like-minded and, and very passionate people. That definitely sounds very rewarding. And you mentioned a lot of global collaboration there with other Antarctic um, science groups and countries. What do you feel Antarctica New Zealand brings to the table that's unique compared to other science programs? Yeah, so Antarctica New Zealand is a, a by international standards a relatively small program, uh, but we have a number of, of things that make uh, our program extremely unique. One of those is that we have great collaborations with, as I mentioned, a, a bunch of different programs, particularly the US. And so we have a, a very big impact on the world stage on science. We have uh, a number of scientists in New Zealand who are uh, famous uh, around the planet for their, their work in understanding how the climate is changing in Antarctica, for example. And so Antarctica, uh, New Zealand's contribution to Antarctic science is, is really uh, a very large one compared to the size of our program. And so for me, the, the thing that makes us unique is our ability to be world leaders on that science stage in Antarctica. And that's important for understanding science in Antarctica. But the other important thing is that the Antarctic Treaty system is really centered around science. And so uh, we use that science uh, knowledge uh, that we gain to, to uh, allow us to have a leadership role in, in the Antarctic Treaty system. And so New Zealand really plays a big role in, in governance of Antarctica and, and deciding in part the, the future that uh, we want for Antarctica. So we really make a, a big thing of that science, um, uh, the science program we have, and, and I think it makes a big difference to the, the influence we can have uh, on the geopolitics of Antarctica. Very interesting. And in each of your roles, what kinds of decisions are involved? Well, I guess um, for me, I'm the first person in this role of data curator. So going forward, there's going to be a lot of important decisions as to how this position is managed and the, the key things to key areas to focus on. It's a really collaborative role and it involves working with um, scientists as well as treaty partners and other national Antarctic programs that are involved in the management of Antarctic data. So as I mentioned before, the, the longevity of data is, is very important as we um, we work to minimise our impact and I think potentially in the future um, this could be a, an area that is um, gets a little bit more focus in terms of um, being able to make use of data sets that already exist um, instead of having to to take a trip to the ice to collect more data. Yeah I think I think Becky's right the the big thing about Antarctic science is that much of it is based on observations, either physical observations of Antarctica or observations of uh, the ecosystems and the, the um, organisms that make up those ecosystems. And so one of the really important things is if you want to understand how quickly and how much Antarctica is changing, you need that data and you need that data to be available and, and easy to, to access and, and uh, easy for people to understand what that data might tell you about the long-term history uh, of Antarctica. And so because it's so expensive to go to Antarctica and because people inevitably have a big environmental uh, impact on Antarctica, it's really important to make use of the data we already have, figure out what data we already have and figure out what data we need to connect uh, to that so we have a better sense of what's going on uh, in Antarctica. 
I definitely feel like this level of collaboration is um, something that should be adopted in other areas, not just Antarctic science, especially the way the world's going. It just seems so much more practical and, you know, especially with, you know, the level of the flights and, and conducting field work in a place like Antarctica is, is expensive, but also elsewhere in the world. And that's something we should keep in mind that, you know, if there's more collaboration and if people were to share their data. Yeah, and I think it's really important as well that, you know, New Zealand, the people of New Zealand fund the Antarctic program, right? It's basically taxpayers' money that, that we're using to support science in Antarctica. And so I think it's important that, that we show and make available the data that's produced from that science, right? There's, there's no reason for us to hide that data. We should be encouraging New Zealanders to, to know where that data is and to, to be interested in it. And so I think there's every reason for us to uh, make that data publicly available to whoever wants it and to whoever can make good use of it. So we have lots of, uh, lots of great data sets and some of those data sets are really useful, but they're not always as easy to find as, as we might hope. So I think that's one of the things that um, I think Becky can really contribute to this is to, to make that data available and, and to raise the profile of that, uh, those existing data sets. And just before we finish, I'd love to talk a little bit more about the um, Antarctic Science Platform. I quickly jumped on the new website last night and I definitely encourage anyone listening to go check it out. Would you guys like to touch on the, the four projects that you have going at the moment? Yeah, sure. So the Antarctic Science Platform is, uh, it's a kind of a $49 million investment over the next seven years to uh, really understand what will happen to Antarctica and, and by extension New Zealand uh, in a, a world that warms by two degrees C. So uh, there's uh, this agreement called the Paris Accord, which basically uh, indicates that if we are able to keep uh, global warming to less than two degrees C, we might be uh, kind of on the safe point of, of, uh, of climate change. If we go beyond that two degrees C, it's a little bit more, we might actually see more catastrophic change in the, in the climate. And so the Antarctic Science Platform really seeks to ask the question, what will Antarctica and, and New Zealand look like in that plus two degrees C uh, world? And so there are really four projects that, um, that are centered around answering that question. And, and I can speak to at least a couple of them. And, Really, the, the kind of flagship project, if you like, of the platform is this uh, geological drilling. And so what we'd really like to know is we're, we're really convinced that uh, a major contribution to sea level rise is melting of the West Antarctic ice sheet. And, and we know that it's melted in the past and it's probably resulted in somewhere between six to maybe nine meters of sea level rise. And so what we don't know is how quickly that might happen and, and how often has it happened in the past. And so one way we can look at that is we can go onto the, the ice shelf itself and we can drill a hole through the ice and, and down into the sediments that are left behind uh, from those uh, retreats and advances of the ice sheet in the past. And those sediments actually tell us a lot about what happened to the ice sheet in the past. And so project one of, of, the, of the science platform is really focused on that kind of geologic record of, of ice shelf stability. So we might learn something about, or well, we will learn something about how the ice sheets behaved in the past. And if we know how it behaved in the past, then we can start to predict how it might behave uh, in the future. And so that's really the, the, the major project uh, is this project one, which is this geologic drilling. So you want to talk to project? Yeah, sure. So there is three other um major projects as, as part of the, the platform and project two is all about the ocean 
and the, the transport of heat um, and, and salt throughout the ocean. And it's really reconstructing past conditions in order to uh, project what the future might look like in a, a warming environment. So that will involve a lot of uh, work with uh, moorings and uh, oceanographic measurements. And so that's it's a really, really exciting project. Project three is looking at ecosystems and the response of ecosystems in a warming world. Um, and so that includes terrestrial as well as marine ecosystems. And uh, there'll be some modeling involved with that one as well to um, take a look at, at the current um, conditions and uh, what the, the ecosystems are currently doing and, and how this might change um, in a warming world and what the effect of things like meltwater might have on these ecosystems. And then project four is the uh, last project. And project four has some really interesting uh, aspects to it. It's quite a diverse uh, kind of cluster of research topics. But primarily the, uh, the project is interested in understanding uh, what happens to uh, sea ice and how does sea ice grow and how does it um, melt and, and what does that ha what changes does that result in, in in and around Antarctica and the Southern Ocean and so sea ice is really important for a, a, a lots of different reasons but um, it it's in part drives the global ocean circulation so when you make sea ice you actually leave behind a bunch of the salt right sea ice itself is basically fresh water has no salt in it and so the salt that's left behind from that uh, melt from that formation of sea ice uh, forms really salty or very dense salty water and that salty water sinks to the bottom of the ocean and it travels all the way into the northern hemisphere and it helps drive ocean circulation to a large extent. And so you can imagine that in a warming world then we might see quite a lot of differences in sea ice formation and so that will change ocean circulation. So we'd like to really understand how uh, that sea ice uh, formation process will change in a, in a warming world. And and somewhat related to that, in terms of the, the ocean, uh, if you think about since the kind of industrial revolution, the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere has been rapidly increasing, but the, the earth itself hasn't warmed as much as you might imagine. And it's largely because a lot of that CO2 has been absorbed by the oceans. And so not all that CO2 that we've emitted has gone to the atmosphere. Most of it's actually gone in, into the oceans. But what we don't really understand is exactly where that CO2 goes in the ocean and particularly the Southern Ocean, how it's taken up and how it gets released. And we need to understand that because at some point the, the oceans won't be able to take up as much CO2 and then we'll see a rapid warming of, of the atmosphere. And so this project tries to understand essentially the effects of uh, increasing CO2 uh, on ocean circulation and, and how that might affect the, what's referred to as the carbon cycle. Wow, each of those projects sound really, really interesting. Very exciting platform. Oh, well, thank you so much, guys, for jumping on board and representing Antarctica New Zealand in this season. We've loved having you on board. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank yeah, it's been much. fun. <laughs> Sun will come up anyway. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for taking the time to learn and listen. More information about the episode and guest can be found in the show notes for those interested. And please leave a review if you've enjoyed tuning in. Subscribe to Antarctica Unfrozen wherever you listen to keep up to date on new guests, topics and ideas of the icy environmental kind.
This season was made possible thanks to Pride Conservation, a boutique social enterprise from Aotearoa, New Zealand, on a mission to contribute to the conservation movement both here at home and globally. For more information and to help be part of the movement, check out www.prideconservation.co.nz. That's it for now. I'm Sinead Monty. And I'm Harry Seeger. And, and until, until next, next time, time stay cool. Stay cool.